0: Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, the break and the weather that we've had. We thank you for the small gifts that you give us, these little mercies in Texas of a cool morning. We thank you most of all for Christ and the gift that we have in him and that through him we have access to the Father. And, Father, as we um, pray uh, this morning, we're conscious of our discussion that's going to happen on prayer, and we ask that you would give us wisdom in this area. Um, it's often seen as kind of a, a mysterious thing, uh, sometimes uh, a drudgery. We don't want it to be that way. We want to pray biblically and, and have hearts that are engaged in what you're doing in the world. And so, Father, would you give us uh, open hearts this morning? Would you give us open minds that would receive from your word what you would teach us about this discipline of the Christian life and the massive implications it has for us daily? We thank you for the privilege um, of being together, of studying together, of learning from one another, of um, learning um, from Jesus himself through your spirit. And we ask that we take it for what it is, which is an audience with the king this morning before his word. And pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, uh, last week we saw how immediately the disciples were drawn to prayer. Even though they knew that God had already decreed that the Holy Spirit would fall upon them. Uh, and as we discussed last week, there are lots of things in Acts, lots of times in Acts where we see this common theme of unity in prayer. It's one of the things that they, that we'll see in the next chapter that they did regularly. Breaking the bread, hearing the word of the apostles, praying. Those are, it's just a core thing. Um, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who... Walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands not in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his what delight. delight is in the law of the Lord. And how does he delight in the law of the Lord? On his law he meditates day and night. It's a delight. Is it a delight? That's a heart check, isn't it? We talked about the righteous one in Psalm one, delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. Um, do you ever think of prayer as that do nothing exercise in the Christian faith? Do you, I'm just trying to be real. You come and oh, I gotta pray. So you sit down, you close your eyes because you want to look reverent at least while you do it, and then you and then you and you start trying to. In your head, you okay, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And then you say, and, then, and there's all these little words that we use as placeholders. Um, just, uh, just, uh, Father God, Father God, Father God, and those kind of things. We say it's almost charismatic, Father God, Father God. Anyway, so you have these placeholder words that we do, and it's a struggle. What do we say? How do we not sound like, you know, uh, how do we have anything intelligent to say in prayer? Is that, am I just, is that just me? Kevin, you're really... Do you feel that way sometimes when you pray? Why am I doing this? Let me say the words, let me get done, and then let's go do something. Right? I've got to go do something. Uh, my, my, somebody's sick, I've got to pray real quick, get that out of the way, so I've done that, and then I'm going to go Google all the symptoms and see if I can come up with a good solution to get this fixed. Right? Because your Google search is more important than the medical degree anyway so um, we have that mentality why do we pray it's a duty we got to do it because we're Christians right that's not the biblical view of prayer at all Um, two things I hope to introduce to you today first prayer has as its goal nothing short than the purpose of the whole universe second You don't have to grasp for words to say and hope that you are praying God's will. Two things. It's important, massively important to pray. And two, it doesn't have to be a struggle to pray. All right, let's do the first one. What is this thing called prayer? Uh, Five points. I want to draw from scripture on the purpose and privilege of prayer and I'm borrowing from John Piper here because he pulled it together very nicely and I love the way he did it so I'm now giving it to you. Um, First question, why did God create the universe? For his glory. glory. How do you know that? Because he said it and here's where he says it a few of the times. I will say to the north, Isaiah, Isaiah for our friends down under, Isaiah 43, 6 and 7, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold, bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You know in Ephesians 1, It goes through that whole thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He, here's our favorite word, predestined us to adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Why? To the praise of His glorious grace. And He'll say it again in verse 12. Uh, that we might be the first fruits to the praise of the glory of His grace, and then He says it again in verse fourteen about the rest of us, the Gentiles. Um, he sent the Spirit to the praise of His glory. Right? It's not a mystery why He created the universe to bring glory to Himself. Um, God created the universe and all that is in it to display the riches of the glory of His grace. So, question two: If God created the universe to display the riches of the glory of His grace, how should all people act? How should all people act? What is He calling all people to do? And notice I didn't say just Christians. The reason for that is that everyone is in covenant relationship with God. They're either breaking it or they're believing it and acting upon it. How should all people act? If God has created everything in the universe for His glory, how should they act? Let me give you a hint. Uh, worship Him. Worship him. Um, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you, they may see your good works and give glory. Worship's another good word for that. Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. First Corinthians 10, 31. It's got both Baptists and Presbyterians in it. So whether you eat, Baptists, or drink, Presbyterians, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Right? Both can be to God's glory. Both involve moderation. Okay. (laughs) How should everybody act if God created everything for His glory? How should they do it? What does it say? Do all things... To the glory of God. Therefore, all persons should act in a way that calls attention to the glory of God's grace. All right, as people of God, what do these next few verses show us about how we should glorify God in our obedience and service? Whoever speaks must do so as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies... In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion for, uh, forever and ever. Amen. Second Thessalonians 1. To this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for every good work of faith by His power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as people of God, what do these verses show us about how we should glorify God in our obedience and service? The obedience and service of God's people will glorify Him most when they consciously and manifestly depend on Him for the grace and power to do what they do. Any of this stuff that we try to do on our own is not to God's glory. What do I mean by that? If I'm trying to eat and drink morally or according to some kind of cultural preconceived notion of what that should be, uh, if I'm trying to pray like so-and-so does in the front if I'm trying to, um, if I'm trying to treat others in a way that just is, is really just nice, but I'm not doing it for the purpose of I'm doing this because of who Jesus is and what He's done, and I want to glorify Him. If I'm not doing it reliance upon the Spirit to do it rightly, it's not to the glory of God. It's just trying to do good stuff. How do you get there though? How do you know you're relying on the Spirit? How do you know that you're Motive is one that is, I want to do this because of what Jesus has done. Isn't that the question? Isn't that the hard thing? How do I know that I'm doing this in the way that brings Him glory and, not just doesn't, and doesn't just make me want to look good? I'm not doing it for my glory. Alright. Put a pin in that. What does prayer show about our relationship to God as creature to creator? What does prayer show about our relationship to God as creature to creator? Psalm 50, 15 says, Call upon me. This is God talking. Not David. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. I'm glorified when I deliver you. Call upon me that glorifies me, I will deliver you, and I will get glory. You see how that, it's the calling out, the dependence on God, and Him responding that is glorifying to Him. Uh, John 14, 13, whatever you ask, this is Jesus, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. All right, so what do we, what do we have here? Prayer for God's help is one way that God preserves and manifests the dependence of His people on His grace and power. It shows that we need Him every hour. Praying shows our dependence upon Him, that we are creatures, He's the Creator. That's the clearest explanation, the clearest reason for prayer. He's God, I'm not. The necessity of prayer is a constant reminder and display of our dependence on God For everything so that and here's the line I like he gets the glory when we get the help that's it and it's an amazing thing because in prayer we have uh, the ultimate purpose of the universe and that in prayer it displays the majesty of the triune God why do I say that if I'm praying rightly Paul says it's because the Holy Spirit is is recognizing and groaning in me. He calls it groanings from the Holy Spirit. I'm praying. So the Holy Spirit is at work illuminating my mind, illuminating my heart to be impassioned in prayer. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. That glorifies the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Who can answer what the Holy Spirit is praying for through me? Who answers that? <coughs> the Father, The Father is glorified and that He's the only one who could answer the prayer that the Spirit is groaning in me. right? Why do I even have the ability? Why can I even pray? Why? Who purchased that? Here's a softball question. <laughs> who purchased that for me? Jesus. Jesus, always a good answer in Sunday school. And that's what I'm asking for. Yes. So you have the Spirit being glorified and the groaning that He does through us. The Father being glorified and that He's the only one who could answer the prayer. Only He can do it. And you have Jesus being glorified because He's the one who purchased that for the church, for the believer to to have that access to the Father. All right. God gets the glory because God the Spirit creates the groanings. God gets the glory because God the Father is the one who hears and performs what the Spirit asks. God gets the glory because God the Son purchased for sinners every blessing they ever receive. And God gets the glory because our hearts are made the showplace or theater for this divine activity so that we know and experience God's gracious intercession for us and we consciously give Him (laughs) thanks and praise that's huge that's not a do-nothing exercise that's your heart a theater for the glory of the triune God when you kneel and pray so why don't we do it why don't we do it what are some common obstacles? I'll use Brother Where Art Thou. What are some common obstacles to prayer?
1: We, we get wrapped up in ourselves. Okay. We get wrapped up in, um, in the idols that we put uh, before ourselves. The stuff, the things that we, that we do instead, we're tired as well, and we just go to sleep.
0: Yep. Can, can you not tear with me one hour? You see that with the disciples in the garden. Um, we, get, we get wrapped up in our own stuff. Uh Concentrating to focus in on prayer and who God is and who we are, our minds are ADHD all of a sudden, and we go everywhere all at once. Right? What are some other obstacles?
1: We like our independence.
0: We like our independence. What do you mean by that?
2: <laughs> you really have to humble yourself down to uh, acknowledge that
1: you need help. Okay. And then, it, then to contest that.
0: Yeah. It's humbling to acknowledge that you're not the creator. <laughs>
1: we like to be in control we like we like to be self-sufficient.
0: God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Right? We we have that basic trend. There was a talk about somebody having something over here. <laughs> what no, now you're bailing. Okay. He's
2: ashamed. Shame. Gets shame. shame. Shame is a
0: reason. Shame is a reason? You're, are you saving what this or okay. No, no, this no, no. Shame is a reason we don't pray. Okay, shame is a how so?
1: sin in our life or something that's going on
0: and you're like, uh, I can't do this right
1: now, I just did this for you yeah. I'm not, worthy to, talk
0: to you right I'm not worthy to talk I've got sin in my heart and I know, oh here's this, I really like the sin and I know if I pray I'm going to be confronted with it, I don't repent for that right now <laughs> Right. a couple of things going on there, there's shame of it or there's clinging to it shame is also a form of clinging, really if you get down to it, um, there's pride involved there that's how we know we're not repenting is if we're running from God rather than to God. Kind of kind of, a, an issue there. So, yeah. So, lots of reasons. Um, what's another reason? Unbelief. Unbelief. Mm-hmm. We'll go this way. What, what do you mean, unbelief? How, how do you say?
2: You don't think it's going to make a difference.
0: Does not make a difference? You don't a point. What's the point? You don't take God at His word. You don't take God at His word. Or, I, this is just an exercise. It's empty. It's vain.
2: Even the flip side of that, whenever... Heaven first started struggling through all the sovereignty of God, and then I struggled through it. That can sometimes mess with your mind on prayer. Well, God's just <laughs> going to do whatever He's going to do, and, and and it and yeah, fatalistic mm. instead of sovereign. Right. And so. Um,
0: and there is yeah. a difference between fatalism and sovereignty. Yeah.
2: So even in in the sovereignty circles, rather than going, okay, God's sovereign, and He is in control and over this so he's the one I need to go to. Mm -hmm. And he can actually act in this world and does act in this world. Um, But sometimes you can take a fatalistic approach.
0: Right. Right. So unbelief, fatalism.
2: I was was going to say the same thing as Chelsea is that we falsely view
0: prayer as a means to fix our own problems. Mm-hmm. And so we're asking God to fix what we want, and then it doesn't happen, so we're like, oh, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't work on my time frame, which is is unbelief. Right.
3: Yeah, and getting bitterness because of that. Bitterness because of prayers not answered. Same, because for me in my own life, there are times when I believe God created the universe, so obviously He could answer prayers, but sometimes mm-hmm. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then there's that bitterness of like, you didn't answer that prayer, so why would you answer this one? You know, it's right. this, this ugly... In your heart where you're not
0: surrendering to his will even if it doesn't line up with what your desires are right and so so there's a there's a a a, a block there to trust mm-hmm. him because he didn't answer it on your time scale before so unbelief comes in pride shame and because of that not believing that he loves you and wants what's best for you okay interesting so
3: also, just if we're used to only praying for God to fix something that's a problem in itself because then I think that comes back to the worthiness part like if our bitterness because if we're praying to God and communion and thanksgiving that's going to change our prayers and our attitude and mindset when we're asking Him for to fix a problem because if you only go to God and pray to fix a problem that's a problem I think
0: <laughs> that's a good point Do we, if we only go to God to fix a problem the master you know emotional mechanic do we Pray rightly. And how do we know that? Is there a model somewhere out there of how we're supposed to do this? Somewhere if only there were a template. It might be a song A song? A song. A song? Oh, okay. So what in looking at the Lord's Okay, Martin Luther wrote a book. <coughs> it's eleven page PDF. You can get on monergism.com I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a a, a a simple way to pray. And he wasn't the first to do this, but I, he's the most fun to read on this. So he wrote it to his barber. Apparently, he was getting apparently he's getting one of those little mullet cut things that they did back then. And while he was talking to the mullet cutter, he he the guy says, "How do you spend all this time in prayer? What do you?" Because Martin Luther, I mean, he was he was uh, praying. He he would pray hours on end, and his his assistant would. There's a, a I don't know if it's true. It's kind of a one of these, uh, what do you call those, um, apocryphal stories or whatever. Anyway, he, he talks about how his, the story goes his assistant said, I knew they had a busy day. You know, running from, you know, the Pope is kind of busy work. And so um, he said, Dr. Luther, and he knew Luther was going to praise. So, uh, and, and hours on end, he said, Dr. Luther, we've got to go. We've got so much to do today. He says, so much. He says, yes, we got this, 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 Then I must pray all the more. We'll never get it done, you know. So he he would spend hours and hours and hours on prayer in prayer. And the and the barber would say, asked him, How do you do that? I, I get lost after, you know, a couple of minutes. How do you pray that long? How do you sustain that? And he he goes through kind of a, a, a method that he used to pray. And it's a very I don't know, it's a very biblical-based method, and I like it. He said he would first pray through the Lord's Prayer. And he wouldn't just pray through the Lord's Prayer by quoting it like, um, well, he used the term, but like the Catholics would do. Um, he would, it was a bullet point to launch into his, his thought, you know, where, what the pressing needs were today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he would go in, God, I thank you that your name is hallowed that you are our father, that you are a father, and that you're our father, your father to the church. Um, m- may my life hallow you today. You see, he would, he would work off of the bullet points of the Lord's prayer. And he would. And, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. God, your kingdom is perfect. It's established. It's there. It's eternally there. Your king sits on the throne. May he do so in my heart. May he do so in the church. May he do so in the world. Make it come. And he would go through that and, and use that as a warning. He would use that as a, a, a bullet point for those things. And then when he was done with that, he said, I would go to the Ten Commandments because I'm sure there's something I got to confess there. So he would start with, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. God, I've made this an idol. Convict me. Search my heart. He would use those as ways to gauge his prayer. And you know, you can do that with any passage in the Bible. You can, you can, and I talked to Emma about this this morning. You can basically take sections of Scripture that you have worked through, maybe memorized, but you're familiar with, and use them like, quiver, uh, like arrows in a quiver of prayer. That as you're going through, let the, the Word of God guide what you're saying. So I thought we'd try that. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. (coughs) And you are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the Spirit that is now at work of the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, and the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. My favorite two words. But God. Being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he had for us. Made us alive together in Christ by grace you've been saved. Right? You know this passage. How would you use this? How would you, um, how would you incorporate Ephesians 2 If you're working through Ephesians Maybe at the time You're trying to memorize it You're trying to do a thing How would that affect your prayer? There would be fewer ums There would be fewer justs There would be fewer Father God, Father God, Father Gods Because I'm looking at the language of Scripture And I'm saying God you're holy But I wasn't Thank you for taking me out of um, the world as a child of your wrath and making me a child of your mercy. So immediately we start with thankfulness because of what we were. Do you see that? There are others out there that I know, there's family members who are still trapped in that. God, would you be merciful to them? Do what only you can do. I can't flip the switch to make them repent. Can you do for them what you did for me because of the riches of your mercy and grace so that they too would be seated with Him in heavenly places? Does that make sense? What does that do? What is that doing in the heart as you're praying Scripture? Ain't no doubt you're praying God's will. There's a, spirit of humility. There's a spirit of humility. How about this one? I did this and it still looks like I'm a child of wrath when I do this, right? It still looks like I've got some of that old stuff on me when I did this. Would you forgive me? Would you again show mercy to me? Would you make me a vessel of your mercy by how? Do you see? It, it's not complicated, <coughs> <laughs> See, God knows us, because He made us, and He knows that we're but dust. And so, catering, not but dust, but but dust. That was a good one. Thank you. Some, some days, some days that might be true. Not today. All right. This
1: is what right. David was very good at with the Psalms. If you look at the Psalms and all the... A B C D E F. Mm-hmm. You know, to reference other material, that's all he does. The Psalms are a bunch of prayers, right. and all he's doing is quoting Scripture back to God. Right, right, and then doing his own thing with it. But yeah, exactly but
0: that's what you said. Yeah, and and, and Psalm one nineteen and one nineteen are all expositions of each other, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's working through in prayer what the Word of God says. It humbles us. It gives us, and yet, at the same time, oddly enough, it gives us confidence. We know that we're praying accordingly. When you say in Jesus' name at the end, because that magically blesses everything, apparently, you know that that's exactly true because He is the Word, and I'm praying the Word, right? Does that make sense? When you're praying in public or when you're praying in a, in, a, in a group setting, there's no need to feel this, oh gosh, what you know what you're going to say you're going to pray the father's words back to him you're going to with a group align your heart with the word of God and pour out what's there because based on his word what does that require of us number one to do this rightly to know the word To write it on the tablets of your heart is the way it describes it. So what does that involve? you got to read it. (laughs) And then you pray it. And in praying it, what does that also do? It reinforces what's there. It reinforces the words that are there. This is a huge, I think, neglected area in Christian discipleship. How do we pray? It is the most powerful thing that we've been given. An audience with Almighty God and we blow it <laughs> off like it's just a quick thing over dinner. If that. Um, I, I, I like, and this is just a personal practice to me. This is not mandated by Scripture. This is Kevin. This is not... I like to actually write through passages of Scripture in prayer form. Not that I would read them later, although sometimes I have. But it reinforces, again, the idea of Scripture being a prayer. And so that when I'm praying over something or praying about something, I have it already in my head, oh, this applies to this. Or this, would, this is applicable here. Because I've thought through it ahead of time, so in my in my daily reading, I tend to I try to journal. I don't do it every day. I'm not as you know, but I do try to be faithful in it, uh, of of journaling through passages. I know Tammy does that too, of, of of what what is, condensing it down, and how would it be? How would I, how could I pray this? <coughs> if it's a narrative, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, something in that we've learned that we've talked through maybe in here on, on principles that we pull from a historical narrative I what's the nugget in there that I could use when I'm praying and pouring out my heart before God on this issue does that help anybody have you ever he- heard this kind of stuff do we talk about this Cause I, I, I will tell you I did not hear this learn this until much much later in life um In the the charismatic circles, we kind of copped out on this by just starting to say, you know, stuff that didn't make any sense. Just so that we could say, hey, we're really spiritual. This is the biblical way to pray. Through the Word of God, you know it's by the Spirit because the Spirit wrote it through holy men carried along by the Holy Spirit. Any, any, any comments on this? I mean, I've got a whole thing here that I was going to do. We go through. Uh, like
1: when I was growing up, I was homeschooled, and part of our writing assignment was we had to write the proverb of the day. So, first, second, third, with the whole proverb out, as we had to write it out. And so, I found, I found myself, after a year of doing that, mm-hmm. you pretty much have the whole book fairly memorized. Mm-hmm. And then, just as a byproduct, it starts working itself into your prayer. Mm-hmm. That's, I noticed that without anybody having to tell me. Right. But once you would, you know, once it was in your heart so much, or you study so much, it just starts working its way in.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's and there's a lot of techniques, and and I think that that really is probably the best way to get the Word of God into your prayers is right. to actually memorize Scripture.
1: But just, uh, but just naturally being in the Word, it, it just it it'll mm-hmm. naturally work itself into your right. prayer.
0: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a um, a technique. Uh, to, on how to memorize scripture. Let me give you another golden nugget I didn't learn until late in life. This, this, there's a, there's a way to memorize scripture <laughs> that is very um, helpful. And uh, I, I use those, you know those little, I don't know how you say these, it looks like moleskin to me. What are those little notebooks called? M O L E S K I N? What?
2: They cost a lot. <laughs> Do they?
0: The moleskins? Okay. Is that the southern way to say it, or is there actually a more dignified way to? That's how it's said. All right. <laughs> never knew, never heard it pronounced, but there's these little bitty things. You can get a packet of three for eight bucks. So, yeah, I guess it's a little pr- pricey, but um, it, it's like this. And I print out in Word, I've got it formatted. Print out, like, I, I did this with Ephesians, I've done it with Psalms. In in the, in the format, that fit that book. I cut it and glue it in. And so I've got this little book. And every day, and I divided up into weeks. The book into weeks for for Prover- uh, not Proverbs for Ephesians. It was like sixteen. Well, no, it wasn't. It was twenty-four weeks for Ephesians. It was
2: about
0: six, six verses a week. Six verses a week, basically, is what I did. On how that worked out, um, I took Sundays off. Uh, so you have about six verses a week, and then you just say, you know, um, for example, the first Ephesians one one, you'd say. Paul an apostle, which is something we'll get to how he's an apostle. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. Right? And so verse 2 is grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 1 would be I would say it ten times reading it. Just looking at it. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. Paul an apostle Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. Again ten times. Right? Then I put it down. Do it from memory. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. Oh, one, 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 one. It's, it's 10 times. So 20 times, that takes all of 10 minutes, maybe 15 if you're a slow talker. For,
2: for one verse, I really timed it. It took about three minutes.
0: For one verse, okay. okay it did, By the end of the chapter, it'd take it, a little longer.
2: Long, but you are supposed to look at each individual word, which we don't usually do when we're reading.
0: Right. So, you're, so you're using your eye as a camera. And taking a picture of each word, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, and you do I like this so you really feel like you're doing it. And, but that helps you it, take a picture. You use all your senses. You're hearing it. You've written it out. However you do it. But you're getting that. And so that's verse... That's day one. And then day two, you would do the second verse. The, se- the first verse you do from memory. You'd start. Memory. Paul and Paul's Christ used by the Lord God of the Saints or in Ephesus. 1-1. One, one. And then you'd say 1-2. Grace and peace to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Ten times. And then, you'd, and then you'd, you'd, you'd be reading it while you do that. You'd put it down. You'd just do the whole chapter that way. Every day. You'd do 1 and 2. Then you'd do verse 3. Then you'd do 1-2-3. And then you'd do verse 4. And then day by day by day and after about six months you hit um, chapter six verse 22 and then you're like huh and then you say okay i can only have time to say chapters one through three today so we'll do that and then the next day i only have time for chapters four through six and you'll see it working your prayers when
2: you got to the end you, if you went on about a 20-minute walk, you could say the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take as long as you think it yeah.
0: would. Yeah.
2: But I think that's one reason we don't do it is because we think, I don't have time for
0: that. Right. No, it's, in, in, in the car, I do it in the car driving in. Because, you know, Tower's getting harder to drive in, so it takes longer to get anywhere. So it's almost getting like Houston's crazy. Not quite. But but in the car, you're driving rather than listening to the ridiculous vapid stuff that's on talk radio or music or whatever turn it off and quote and you know what i found is as i'm quoting some of the most amazing things would happen in my head as i'm quoting why would he say it that way um verses verse four in chapter one even as he chose this uh even as He chose for the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Now, there's not a wasted word in Scripture, and yet that sounds like it's the same thing. Holy and blameless. Right? And I was walking one morning, doing, quoting that, and, and I'm just, why would He say holy and blameless? i got to think about it. Holy is a state of being. I am at this time covered in Christ Holy because of a righteousness that's not my own. I'm seen as holy in Him. And blameless. What's that? What does that look toward? Past tense. I'm holy now and forward because of Christ. I'm blameless for when I was a child of wrath. That's why He says it. It covers me past... It covers me now. It covers me in the future. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be covered, holy and blameless. And that's what happens as you're memorizing, as you're praying through it. That stuff goes on. And it will continue. Lots of great gems in Ephesians um, that, that that I got doing that. And I wish I could say I do that all the time. I haven't. I need to. So... I repent before you all. But please, that, that, is a, that is a basic Christian discipline that we just don't do. Prayer and memorization of the word. And it restrains the sinful heart. It's very hard to start thinking junk when you're thinking, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. It restrains the heart. It restrains the heart toward bitterness. When I'm reading in Ephesians and quoting in Ephesians, it says, you know, uh, in him you also were made alive. In him you, all, you, and, and how am I going to treat a brother who's also been made alive? Who's also been raised up with Christ? There's a lot of stuff in the theater of the heart that goes on there, and it comes from knowing the word of God, the Spirit puts there, causes us to groan. God's the only one who can grant it, and Christ purchased that for us, it is all to the glory of God, the triune God being glorified in that process. I highly recommend And that's what they're doing. You'll see it in chapter 2. They're abiding in the teaching of the apostles and in the prayers and the breaking of bread together. That's what they're doing. And I think, I think we've missed that. I think we look at this as a one-off day of the week that, gosh, I really would rather go fishing or I'd rather sleep in. But we've got to do this because we've got to do this. That's what they're doing. They're praying, they're studying, they're letting the Holy Spirit and, 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 the, and, the, and the theater of the heart of trying God be glorified in their prayer through the study of the Word. Any questions on that? I just want to take a little time. We don't normally do this. This is kind of a topical thing. I know it's like taboo in Reformed circles, but I thought I'd take a little time to go through this discipline because we just don't do it. I think, it, I think
1: it's very important because uh, it's a very real struggle. At work, last week, so it was in an hospital, and so you know, we have an optional prayer meeting people. Just everybody's invited, you don't have to come. And we pray a circle. But this is the CEO of the company, so there's like 25 people in the room. Mm-hmm. And it turns into, because because I lack the discipline, it turns into the moment that it's heads down, mm-hmm. it turns into a race. Right. What am I going to say? Then you've got things to compare your planned prayer to. He took my theme. He took it. I've got to beat him. I got to. No, that's self-righteousness. Sure. Okay, i got to say something that's pure, that's biblical It's not selfish That's I gotta selfish.
0: mention the guy I can yeah can't min- I can't forget to mention the guy right
1: <laughs> all this is going on is grace in your yeah. head yeah and my heart is pounding yeah for a prayer
0: right right it's a sweat thing going on it's, it's <laughs> you're holding the guy's hand he's going what is up with this guy it's all with him. it's just it doesn't have to be that way
1: and yet it is
0: and yet it is yeah
1: very applicable. yeah
3: very kind um, to just prescriptive that's how I learned too and so the adoration confession thanksgiving supplication mm-hmm. for how you pray through mm-hmm. not that the Lord can't use all that and and turn it for good but I would get hooked on like oh my gosh now I have to go back to confession I'm never going to get to supplication right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I love that Scripture says, "Pray without ceasing." Mm-hmm. And since His Word is inerrant and true, and we know well that's not humanly possible, right. then it goes back to what you were saying all along: like you, it's just the confession of depe- dependence, mm-hmm. utter dependence on the Word. I don't even know what to say to you, but the Holy Spirit does and mm-hmm. do your will in my life. And I love that in First Peter. You had asked the question later: How does that play out? In First Peter, it talks about having purified yourself by obedience to truth, so just taking in His Word. And, and letting that, the God of the Bible that you're learning about, salve you. It says, having purified yourself by obedience, then love your brothers earnestly with the mm-hmm. sense of your heart. So we can't like pray well, love somebody through their sickness, do these things without mm-hmm. being totally dependent on his mm-hmm. so.
0: Without me, you can do nothing, he says. And how do, we, how, do we, how do we abide in him? We abide in him in his word. Through his word. And praying his word.
2: I I probably should have known this years ago. But it seems more recent. That I've tried to pray more specifically. When I am praying for needs. And um, when I am. And just pray boldly. I I think I used to be like well you know. I I know we should pray well if it's your will. But I've just been willing to. I I don't know. I've just felt like, God, you are the only one who can fix this. I'm just going to ask you to fix it. Mm -hmm. Not because that's all I want from you, but because I know you're the only one who can do it. Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing on several several instances I can think of where there (coughs) was an immediate loving answer that Mm -hmm. was just like, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, because of praying so specifically, I really was able to see God's specific mm-hmm. working in a situation. And it's not every time. You know, sometimes it's it's the wait and trust right. me and, and, and that is enough. But there have been times I can think of, too, of praying for a, a sickness that just went away. That was mm-hmm. pretty... Uh, that there was no... There was, there was no explanation except that God actually
0: there was responded
2: no, to that. There was no in special hanky way.
0: There was no special hanky. There was no special cloth that you purchased no. on and, TV. You just and, prayed. And, and it
2: wasn't because of my belief or faith. Right. It was because of the his, graciousness his of God. Yeah. Loving graciousness. Yeah. But it's just a reminder that it is good to pray specifically
3: and, and to pray boldly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and then if it doesn't work out to where you look like a fool for doing it, praise the Lord that He alone is eternal, immutable, and right. we can't understand His will. Right. right. Yeah. You know, right. Like, and not because you're not holy right. or you, and right. you did the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: God will not love you any more for your awesomely awesome prayer. He will not love you any less when you fall on your face and actually misquote what you're supposed to... Pr- you know, I mean, y- He... <laughs> He loves you as much as He loves His own Son. That's what Jesus prayed in John 17. And Jesus wasn't threatened by that, so it's okay to say it because He prayed it. This is a discipline. This is a learning thing. And and we get more um, trusting of God in it as we do it. Here's a do. (laughs) Read your Bible and pray. (laughs) Uh, All right. So now i got to pray, and (laughs) there's all this pressure. Uh, Breathe in, breathe out. I'll try. I'm (laughs) sweating. It's been said many times this morning what a humbling thing it is to be able to approach the throne of grace. In Him, we also have access to the Father by the Spirit, it says in Ephesians. Paul clearly indicating our great triune God meeting us in this discipline of prayer. God, thank you for this. Thank you for the gift that we have in Christ by the Spirit to approach you in prayer. No revival in history began without the prayers of the people of God. Move us to pray. We are desperate for you to move in us, in our church, in our culture, that the nations may be evangelized, that they may see Christ glorified. And it begins with prayers of the people of God, not because we hold any magic key, but because those are the, that's the means by which your, the movement of your spirit begins, the dependence of the people of God in faithful prayer. Father, I confess I'm very unfaithful in this, and I pray that you would begin with me and, and that you would humble me and and teach me to pray and that all of us would seek your face not fearful of sounding foolish but confident in the work of your son in the movement of your spirit and your desire to hear us this is the will of God that you pray without ceasing it's really not mysterious to us what you want us to do So we pray for hearts that are obedient, that trust you. Thank you for this group. Thank you that they love you, they want to serve you. I pray that you continue to grow them in grace, that you unify them in love for you and for one another. They would pray together that it would be organic and not something mandated, that it would be a drive, a desire of their hearts to bind together and seek your face.